Queefy Ron. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we want to fucking squiggles leaf bottom. You asked for this. Yeah, I know. This is how you end up with an ancestor with a fucking weird name. <laughs> see here. Uh, we're going to just go Prawn Pocket. Nope. Uh, gotta love me a Jimothy. Mandrew Barboso. No. Nope. Hathosbrosis Craven. Joaquin Ahoff. Poofy Manifesto. It is, it is me. Hold on. Babatunde. I've got to say your name to get the accent. Go Babatunde. 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 <laughs> this is my vocal warm up. Shaka when the walls fell. That is such a weirdly good episode, man. It is. And what's crazy about it to me is like looking back on it from being in this time, I'm like, they're talking in memes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, this is, it is. That is so crazy, but yeah. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that isn't afraid to turn a simple season finale into a over-complex adventure in game design. My name's Turner, I'll be your dungeon master and host of pre-, mid-, and post-show announcements, and clear architect of my own stress. Episode 26, anything I would say after this would be a complete spoiler, so we're just going to leave it at that. But I can say this is the final episode of season two. Hooray! We made it. Well, most of us do. And look, I know we do seasons a little bit differently than other shows. I certainly don't get to take off any time to, you know, have a life outside of this. But we did want to create some kind of signpost when there was a major transition between the story arcs for organizational purposes, but also to give new listeners an easy on-ramp. And hey... If you're a new listener, welcome. Man, if you had waited just one episode, you would have had like the whole previous season summary wrap up to lead you into what you were starting to listen to and everything generally would have made more sense. But you're here now. There's no leaving. You've got to listen to the thing or you'll invoke a terrible, terrible curse. Also, if you don't tell five people about the podcast, terrible curse. That's what we're doing now. We're just going to do that. Fuck advertising. Curses all around. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Don't forget, curse. New or old, we do legitimately appreciate you making time for us in your busy podcast listening schedule. And of course, a special thank you to our patrons, whose donations to the podcast help us bring you bigger and better content and definitely ward off curses. Of course, a reminder, give me the loot, not a family-friendly show due to a mix of Profanity, gore, crude humor, and relentless avian violence. Thank you for joining us. Let's start the show. And we are back with the, well, not quite. We are back with, well, we're, we're, we're back with Baba. Yep. I am Anthony. I play Baba Tunde on the Giving the Loop podcast, and I'm Bob Malone. It definitely feels that way. After a pitched and intense battle back and forth ending collapsed on the ground your your consciousness fading in and out 
the roar of the crowd reaching up to a pitched moment of excitement again and again and clashing and coming back until dying down in a solemn moment. You you hear Zuide's anguished declarations as you feel the bite of his yikila, and then there is, you expect a moment of blackness. You've heard uh, near-death experiences before. For a, a culture that is very capable of interacting with their ancestors in spirit form on some level or, or another, you, you had a pretty decent idea of what to expect when your life ended. But this is not what you expected at all. There is no tunnel with a light at the end of it. There is no drawing out. There is a maelstrom of glowing psychic and soul energy, the white and blue and green radiance that has been tied to the spectral energies that your, that your spirit guardians presented and then tied to the pentahedron, swirling and pulling in this twisting expansion and contraction of reality all at once. You're vaguely aware of the confused shouts and screams of the, of the, the fellow party members, just as, as much as you are aware of a rising chorus of voices chanting your name, Babatunde Agu, Babatunde Agu. And as that chant builds and builds and builds, it, it pulls your consciousness forward. Like, a lifeline being thrown to somebody bouncing down the, the rapids in a river. You, you grasp onto it mentally, and there's this tugging and this pulling, and you explode outward, inward, upward into, into being again, but not, not being as you are traditionally used to. You have a concept of self. You have a, an archetypal mental image, but you find yourself standing. What would the town square in Baba's home village look like? Uh, honestly, I think it would be more circular. Okay. In the sense that things are kind of around um, a central area, common area. There's merchants, it's bustling. You know, there's music and festivities. Every, everything's kind of looking inward into this common area that kind of everybody goes to. So there's a circular area that serves as kind of a gathering place then for, for the tribe and for the trade activities. And it is as if you'd stepped into, like, have you ever been in like a mall after hours or backstage at Disney or someplace like that? Mm -hmm. or, or even on stage on a, in a really elaborate play production when there's nobody in the theater and, the, and you're kind of just alone there. Mm -hmm. There is this feeling of place and setting where all of the, the, the individual pieces and accoutrement that would, that, that would bring this, this area to life for you are there. There are the, the, the shopkeeper's carts. There are the, the instruments of the street performers. There are even the reins for the horses tied to the hitching staff or post or whatever. I mean, not even horses, whatever, whatever the Tabashi riding beast is. Mm -hmm. But there aren't any other... Tabashi, you are alone. And, and as you cast your eyes outward and, and look around, you realize that this, this, this patch of familiarity is floating in this vast spectral expanse. Almost like there's a bubble of video game reality that the, the computer can handle the resolution for, and everything past that <laughs> hasn't really been drawn in yet. And as you move one direction or next, you can kind of see that area start to pop in and pop up as the area behind you kind of fades to uh, not not it doesn't like crumble away. It just fades to unreality as there's this pocket of existence centered around 
you that, that, that allows you to move through this, this nostalgic area, mm. uh, but, but you're always alone. The other thing you notice is above you are, and I think they start off as a line, but then they begin drifting around in your orbit, these four glowing lights, a red one, one that almost looked like it was glowing white, but then pulses with this green energy and then shrinks back down, almost seems like it's interwoven with multiple forces at once. And then like if somebody had grabbed a piece of the night sky and shaped it into a ball, like this, this pitch blackness interspersed with all these little glowing dots. And then one that is a loamy brown that, but still seems to to glow from within it with like, like the inside of like a, you've seen those Himalayan salt lamps where that, mm -hmm. that rocky crystalline glow glows outward from this, this dense globe that floats around you. Let's do this. Give me a, a religion check or arcana or insight, whichever one floats Baba's boat. Insight is what we're going to roll. And I am not very insightful. That is a seven. Okay. Something about the way that these uh, items glow tickles at the back of your mind, but you don't make an instant connection to them yet. There's this this moment where you, you wonder, like, is this, is this is what the afterlife is like, possibly? When you hear a little bit of a, <clears throat> uh, Babatunde. Uh, yes, who is this? Uh, you turn around and there is an older, uh, older tabaxi and is somebody who had very likely been a, a very active man in his younger years. But, uh, you know, time comes for us all and he bears the weight of the age, not decrepit, but just a little bit softer around the edges than he used to be. Probably carrying a little bit more at the tummy, mm. uh, definitely uh, whiskers a little bit thicker around the nostril, mm -hmm. graying fur at the ear tips and interspersed throughout him. And you, you realize it is a gentleman that you are vaguely familiar with from your earliest memories as being your your grandfather or possibly even your great-grandfather. It's hard to make the connection, but you know it's this older tabaxi elder from your father's side that you had some of your first uh, memories of growing up. Ba Babatunde. Yes. Do, do you remember my name, Babatunde? Um, well, I, I've recently been stabbed lots of times. It is <laughs> jogged my memory. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Hold on, Baba Tunde. Let's go to the patron NPC bucket for this one. <laughs> Baba, it is me, your Grandpa Chandi. Uh, I've been sent here to guide you along your way. Have I ever met this grandfather in person? Uh, like you would have, and and I, unfortunately, I have contacts. My my grandfather died when I was three, so I have these kind of kinetic memories of maybe a flash of sitting on his knee or a flash of him, I mm. mean, um, you know, walking through a pasture. So it is like an elder relative that you would have encountered when you're younger and would have flashes of memory of that may just as much be from the story that your parents would have told you about him. Mm -hmm. He would be familiar. You would know you and you would know his face from from artwork and from pictures around uh, around the, your, your household. Papa Chan, it is it is very very good to see you other than the fact that I think that means I have expired to the realm of the ancestors. This is uh, very strange, Baba. It, yeah, you know, I, I will say yes, that you face a unique situation, Baba. And it has been something that we anticipated for 
for a very long time. We always knew, Baba, that you would be a different Oba than we'd had before, an Oba different than the others, an Oba of, of, a, of a different import, because there are, there are different Obas for different times, Baba. Do you, do you know why we still fight for the position of Oba after all this time? Um, because our leaders must be strong. They must be able to lead our people uh, into battle when necessary. Ah, but is that all that the Oba does? They, they just lead the troops in battle? Do they not also serve as a, a guide for the people? Mm, they are definitely a guidepost for the people. Do you know why we send you out as pilgrims into the world, Baba? To learn about the world, to understand what is around us, gives us better insight into what we are and what we have. This is true. This is true. It is for you to learn some things, but it is also for the world to shape you and for you and the pilgrims to shape the world. It is like you've been uh, away from your home for a very long time and you have many keys. And you can't remember which key is which. And so you have to find the right key to fit the lock. That is what the pilgrimage and the Oba does. The Oba is the key for the Tabaxi's survival and f ability to flourish in the world. We, uh, on the ancestral plane, guide you in a way that is somewhat unique because we, well, let, let me show you. Uh, look to your left, Baba. Mm. As you look over there, and as he points, it's almost like, not a beam, but a, a tunnel of reality spins forward into this, this undefined area that shapes and clatters and glows. And you can see an expanse of the verdant, and your perception kind of flies down along this tunnel of, of resolution that he's carrying. And he carries you forward, and you're flying over the, the Tabashi lands, and you see it's almost like watching time-lapse photography or a time-lapse video where you see mm -hmm. the, the community spring up and grow and blossom and bloom and come into contact with a huge monster and rebuild and cycle through and continue to develop. But then it seems you question for a second, wait a minute, is this, is this the past or the future? And you realize that it is somehow neither in both, that he is showing you that the elder's perception is beyond time, that they are able to see all of reality, the expanse of reality and existence all at once. And he illustrates it by almost looping you back around through history several times. And you see the, the growth and expansion and collapse of the Tabashi over the past or the future. It's hard to say when, you, when you're done with it. Baba, do you, do you understand that we see the world and what is coming? And we encourage the correct Oba to be in place. And, and sometimes that is an Oba who is a strong leader, a strong fighter. And sometimes that is an Oba who is a strong negotiator. And sometimes, Baba, that is an Oba that is a, a powerful survivor. And that is what Zuide is more than anything else, is a survivor. And I know it may feel like we chose him over you. Certainly, that number of fucking natural 20s would certainly seem like something was up against you. <laughs> But uh, it, it's not that we didn't choose you to be Oba. It is that there is a different type of Oba that we will need you to be. 
mm, like a different oba in a different time. Baba, what what is a tribe? A, what is a clan? A tribe is who we are, what we do, where we are raised. It is the family around us, the ones we love. Ah, so it is. It is just people you are related to. Then this clan. Mm, no, not necessarily. So would you call your friends there? And he gestures at the lights floating around you. Would you call them a tribe with you? These, these, these wisp that are following me? Though Those are, it will get into some of the weirder points of what you've done to yourself with that shard in a moment, Baba, but those, are, those aren't just wisps. They are your friends, and one of them seems to be more than just your friend. We will have to talk about that in a moment as well, but... That is their spirits. They were pulled in here with you through the link that you all share. Normally, this would just be you in the realm of the ancestors, but your your friends uh, seem to have followed you in in this wispy manner. Hmm. Well, for the longest time, I calling them friends would have been much of a stretch. Um, but I think uh, in their need for self preservation, we have grown closer we have learned from each other we have protected each other and um we've definitely become something more ah there it is you've struck on an important truth you are a group who come together to flourish to live to thrive you you don't have to like each other i i guarantee you do you think i liked your cousin sardo goodness no he was quite the numspa. <laughs> but I will tell you, when thing push came to shove, we were always there for each other as part of the clan. This group you are with, they are just as much your tribe now as your clan who, uh, who had met a ways. And now let's, let's think a little bit broader now, Baba. If when the Oba brings the clans together, we become one large tribe to protect uh, each other and the world. And the bigger the challenge, the more clans that the Obas will bring together. And for the largest challenges, they bring everyone together. Baba, we now face a challenge far greater than the Tabashi have ever faced. And a challenge far bigger than just the lands of Sama. Mm, what, is, what is this challenge you speak of? I believe you've met... We, we, sh we cannot say his name here. The realm of the ancestors is a little bit of a, a little bit of a trick on the gods, Baba. You see, we aren't connected to the same mental plane and mental energy that the residents of the mountain are. The ancestor stone shares some of the same properties and abilities as that one that is there with you. And in fact, it's that very stone that you've come seeking, even though you didn't know it. That stone that holds the ancestors here is part of what you need uh, that the strange little man called a stabilizing shard. Mm, yes, Agnum. Is Agnum short? I don't know. Strange. He's definitely strange, though. This is true. Ba Baba, you will, uh, as part of this process, if you pass this coming test, then you will take us all with you as you travel forward to face a challenge to our entire world by those that live on the mountain. 
I believe you've had a message from someone who said what could happen if they were to have their way. Yes, this this um, this battle of uh, these gods and these spires, and I never wanted this. I I just wanted to be there for my for my people, and this is bigger. Yes, Baba. We don't get to choose the size of the challenge we we are born to bear, Baba, and. This is the challenge you were born to lead. This is the type of Oba you are. The Oba of the smallest and most important tribe that the Tabashi has ever been a part of. You and this, this party of five, this tribe of five, will either save or damn us all. All Tabashi, here and abroad. It is a heavy weight to put on your shoulders, Baba. But it is the one that you are meant to be the Oba for. So, if I am understanding you correctly, you're saying that I am the leader of this party of five individuals. Yes, uh, well, I mean, if you certainly should be leading them. I mean, most of them have made some very poor life decisions. I mean, we see everything in here, and, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what's wrong with most of them, but most of them have some very serious development issues from when they were younger. I mean... I, we understand growing up as orphans can be a challenge. Not everyone has the community that you had around you. But dear God, there was, oof, there's a lot to unpack there, Baba. And yes, you, you need to lead. You are the most important Tabashi in that group. <laughs> I just wanted it to be canon that I'm the leader. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. We're working. We'll, 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 spring, we'll spring it on the guys. But, uh, but, Baba, this this is a huge responsibility. Do you, part of the the fight for Oba, the pilgrimage and the battle reshapes the Tabashi for the leader that they they will become. For Zwide, that meant being broken and rebuilt. That meant being seduced by the mercantile guild, and it meant having to have his heart broken by getting. It was really kind of a monkey paw situation for him. You know, he really wanted to dominate and be the better, like, oh, I'm bigger than Baba. But to do that, he ended up having to kill you and you were kind of his hero. It's a whole thing. But that, that is the crucible that exactly the leader that the tribe needs right now will be born out of. You, Baba, will have to face a same crucible. Because yes, you, you are the leader of this group as far as we are concerned. And no offense, Baba, but how often have you tried to lead them? Mm. Mm. Papa Chan, that is, that is true. Because for the most part, I did not want to be a part of their group, period. It was forced upon me. And I just wanted to get back to my family, to my tribe. Ah, duty can become a thick shield as much as it can become a cutting blade, Baba. That is some elder wisdom shit right there. Eat it up. <laughs> but I, I will tell you, I think, I think it's that you struggled to find your voice sometimes. And that would occasionally cause you to stay quiet when less cool minds should prevail. So, Baba, you will become the Yikila of the Tabaxi, the spear that will either be the weapon of our salvation or our destruction. But right now, Baba... You are a broken weapon. And what must we do with a broken weapon? It must be reforged. It must be rebuilt. Recreated. We can make you stronger. Now, I, I realize that 
shard in your your arm will will help with the body and will reshape you. And you have a choice, Baba. You can completely be reborn now. You can go off and be in be a gnome. You could go off and be a uh, one of those bird people, the one the the, the Aarakocra. You you could you can still and still be a fierce barbarian, or you can remain true to, to the Baxi and make the choice to become a warrior for the ancestors, a, a link between us and the world to carry us with you into a fight that must be won. Could not see myself as anything other than a tabashi. I do not know what else. It is too much of who I am. It is too much of who we are. To lose that would be to no longer be who I am. I will, I will be a tabashi in no matter how many lives I go through. That is the right answer, Baba. We shall use our, our link to the ancestor stone to reforge you in the way that is needed. But every forging requires fire, Baba. Proofing. The blade must be heated and shaped and pounded into form. And that is what you face next. And there is a blurring and swirling of reality. And you're no longer in the village square. Mm-hmm. You, you find yourself on a... It's something that you remember from your childhood, hearing about one of the earlier incursions of the Mercantile Guild that an Oba brought people together to, to fend off. And you, you find yourself on the upper ridges of the Plain of Hoblane, the Plain of Hoblane, mm-hmm. which is a famous engagement that you remember learning military tactics. Um, it was one of the earlier engagements of, of the Mercantile Guild with the Tabaxi tribe, a very astute Oba took a medium force of Tabashi and just completely routed the Mercantile Guild, punching them in the nose in a fashion so bloody that it has really kept them from attempting a larger military incursion into the area ever since. There's this large open plain that expands across your field division. And again, very similar to your town square, that's all it is. There's this section of this open plain that is defined as the battlefield floating in space on your side, you have a group of glowing uh, amorphous figures mulling around, waiting to be shaped and to be picked. There is a kind of a rocky foothills terrain where it is it is rockier, a little bit sandier. It is winding river that has two rickety bridges that go across of it that's deep set into a canyon. Smaller stone plateaus. At the far end of the battlefield on the opposite side, you can see these two raised plateau areas that have... These spider, they look like if you mounted a like a howitzer onto spider legs, these spider-like artillery are crouched and sitting on top of those two raised plateau areas. And then a, a mishmash of mercantile guild corporate soldiers and warforged mill about in the battlefield before you. Uh, Papa Chand looks out and he goes, now, Baba, you remember how the battle went that day, but... It will not be exactly the same, for you are fighting all the possible alternate realities with which this battle could have happened. As you know, we are part of a rich tapestry of potential and opportunity, and you will now see what impact you can have on that potential. So, so the stabilizing shard battles will always be a little bit tied to 
something the character's core concept. For Moyle, that was his inability to heal. <laughs> for, for Baba, it is leading a large group and, and really kind of stepping forward as a leader. So what I've done is I've taken, uh, there's a setting called Birthright in second edition that is a broader scale, like what if you are a king and a more feudally oriented second edition campaign setting. Within that, there are simplified rules for large scale battles. And simplified is a very polite way of putting it because they are simpler than uh, if we were doing a Warhammer battle, much more complicated than uh, standard combat. There are a, a number of units. And the way this will work, Anthony, is so the Mercantile Guild originally has two artillery units mounted up at the top. The battle is won when you destroy those artillery units. As long as you are left standing and those two artillery units are destroyed, it is considered a victory for the Tabashi in this potentiality. And take that as you will. You have to be alive and those two artillery points have to be destroyed. Everything else is up for grabs. There are currently on the field, there are some uh, mercantile guild corporate soldiers. Those are the guys that look like they have a short sword on the map. There are some warforged. Those are the guys that look like they have a gun. There are some irregulars that are still in the reserve off the field. So you've got basically the corporate infantry, the uh, warforged, and then the irregulars in the back, and then possibly some other troops that we'll talk about as we get into it. And so that is the number of troops that are currently on the board. You've got 12 regular units and then the two artillery units. You are able to assemble a force equal to half that. You can pick seven units, not counting yourself, right off the start. You can choose to add to that, but that's going to add additional units in the mercantiles reserve. So if you go, man, I really want to have 10 units plus myself. That's fine. We'll add a couple of uh, reserves in for the Mercantile Guild as you scale up. This reality seems to be shaping to what Baba's concept of the military leadership is. Um, this is a simplified version of the rules. We're going to do kind of a rock, paper, scissor thing. You're going to classify your force in one of three different ways. The Mercantile forces are kind of already classified by their color. Defenders have advantage against attackers. Attackers have advantage against skirmishers. And skirmishers have advantage against defenders if that makes sense. So kind of a rock, paper, scissor thing. There is a table with the advantage equal disadvantage on the rows, and then a number one through 10 with the results of what will happen. So each of these military units have different ability scores. Uh, we'll kind of dive into this as we go. Some of this won't necessarily translate, but the idea is that Baba is commanding these large forces into battle. We'll dive into the uh, the rules piece of this in a minute. The one restriction you have right off the rip um, is you have to have at least one Todd, at least one Eldrin, at least one Moyle and one Fate, and then you can build your additional forces from there. So Papa Shand turns to goes, now Baba, you see down there, those forms, those are uh, of your forces that you can shape as you choose, but your friends, we, we think the future ahead relies on you being in charge of, of the party. So you have to have them in this to pass the test. And he snaps his figures and one of the spiritual glowing forms down there shapes into like a ghostly version of Todd. That one, the one with the horns, will be your scouts. And he snaps his fingers and a, another kind of amorphous form shapes into a heightened version of Eldrin. That one with the strange haircut, he will be your archers. He snaps his fingers again, and one shapes into uh, a fate, and one shapes into your moil. And he goes, now, Baba, we know 
one of your friends cheated in the battle, and there will be a price to be paid by your spellcasters. But we shall discuss that at the end of this fight. Okay. Papa Chan walks up to you and goes, Baba, choose your army, choose your forces, and show us that you are indeed who we believe you to be. Cool, gang. Hey, mid-show announcement time. Remember, Mondays, 7.30 Central Standard Time, we stream on Twitch, where we do a completely separate D&D variety show and create NPCs and interview community members and finally got to do the cross-generational comparison for all editions for rogues. And, uh, well, I found it interesting. But needless to say, it's anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes, different content than you're going to get here. It's where we produce some of the off-week content. You get an opportunity to hear it live, chat in the comments, watch Dreken totally disrupt the guy's train of thoughts, watch us enable him, see Wendell and Saga point out how I'm frequently wrong on the rules. I, I don't know why we do it in an interactive format. Anyway, uh, check it out. If you enjoy the personalities that make up the cast, you will absolutely enjoy the stuff that we're putting out there, even if you're not itching to know exactly when rogues transition from being a largely percentile-based skill class that was there to save you from poison needles to a more in-the-mix DPS class. I, I promise it's, it's interesting in context. If you want notifications when we go live, you can follow us on Twitch or over on socials, mostly Twitter, at GMDLCast. And hey, while you're out there in the internets, why don't you hop into our community Discord? Those people who cyberbully us during our Twitches are actually pretty decent people. Oh, God, don't ever tell them I said that. And really, a fun group to have around. We've got a, a just a wonderful community that is built up around the show that I am more fond of than I would like to admit. And we've opened the doors to non-patrons, although patrons do still have specific channels to contribute content to the show, like the NPC names that we opened up with, among other things. So check it out. Link's in the show notes below. And hey, man, while you're out there in the internet, why don't you go ahead and swing through whichever podcast platform provides you with your entertainment and... Yes, write, review, and subscribe. I don't know how you knew that. You either listen to a lot of podcasts or are psychic. And if you're wasting your psychic powers to guess what I'm going to say next, instead of winning the lottery and sending me a, like a, a portion of the funds, f fuck you. See that coming? No? Okay, cool. Seriously, the, the reason why everybody asks for that is the mighty algorithm is based on listener feedback and your feedback helps us be more visible. Leave a review. I might read it during these, you know, these little comments as soon as I remember to look before I start recording them. So anyway, gang, I just, this next bit is going to get a little bit drier as we dive into the alternate game system that I created for Baba's massive battle. There is some lore bits at the end. So if you find yourself getting bogged down a little bit in the whole Warhammer of it all. And I know it's not Warhammer. Don't fucking at me, Warhammer people. I know who you are. Why the fuck would you buy miniatures that you have to cut out and glue together? I don't understand it. I do not understand those. I love painting miniatures. And when I get my studio set up, we'll probably do some mini painting streams. I've gotten weirdly into that shit and I'm 3D printing now. But fucking the cutting them out of the little things with the super glue. Why? Why? Why make it extra difficult? Especially when I'm painting like three times. Anyway, sorry. Um, If you get a little bit bogged down, 
Just a heads up, we do get back to story bits at the back portion of the episode. So, in order to get there, let's get back to the show. And he waves his hand, and there's this weird blue glow that has suffused all of reality when, when you've been in here. It very much feels like a virtual world in a lot of ways. But there is a darkening, and these little pinpricks of light appear in the sky, and you realize he is shaping the battlefield to be at night. Similar to that evening many, many years ago, the Mercantile Guild has entered into our lands and now camp at the base of their fortifications with their guns ready to decimate a village, confident that a group of people they see as savages pose no threat. Shape your army, Baba. Who would you choose to fight with you? Just give, give me an overall rundown of your forces, if you would, sir. Oh, okay. I will go into battle with my comrades, as well as Tabashi cavalry and Tabashi spearmen. What the fuck do T- Tabashi ride there, uh, the Baba? I don't know. That's why I called him cavalry. <laughs> <laughs> I have been struggling with what the fuck they would ride. This and I'm like, what the fuck would cat people? I don't, I don't chocobos. No, they, nope. It's done. You've said it. It's done. <laughs> You have your uh, Tabashi cavalry on their battle emus <laughs> ready to fucking go. I, there we go. There it is. Battle emus. All right. <laughs> so even though the, uh, the Mercantile Guild is considered the invading force, you're really attacking the encampment. So you're going to move first. Let me pull up the movement order. For those listening at home, this is a little bit of a strategic combat. Some of this, uh, depending upon how engaging it is, may get clipped out. But there's a movement phase, there's an attack phase, a morale phase, and then we'll go from there. So starting off the movement phase, basically the attacker moves all of their uh, units that uh, that they want to move. Now you are currently unseen. And your engagements with the troops will drive how the defender moves in their reaction phase. So you are free to move your guys. Uh-huh. You have a movement stat. Uh, you can't move diagonally. It's one square per per movement. My cavalry will both move forward two. Okay. One, two. Okay. That will put them engaging with some or some infantry skirmishers. And some defending crossbow warforged. Yes. And okay. Let's get into the thick of it. Uh, and what's Todd's special power? Uh, he doesn't suffer uh, terrain effects. I don't know what the terrain effects are just yet. Crossing the river, I think, like for example, they would have to cross at the bridges. A river prevents movement between areas containing the river. If a unit is routed or forced to fall back towards an area where the river it is, it's considered destroyed. Cliffs prevent charging. The, just the two turrets are considered on ridges, which means they can't be charged. And I'm going to say they have a bonus to their combat role when attacked. Um, not, not full advantage. I'm not going to make them immune to a, a missile attacks like the, uh, the rules originally called for. But I'll say they get a plus three against missile attacks. Okay. So that being the case, Baba will move one uh, to the left once north once and to the left again and then the pikemen will join him on that tile just for full transparency that we're going to treat this first round like in a surprise round basically so the defenders aren't going to move until the next movement phase right so we're going to treat this as you basically doing like a surprise attack on them 
we'll resolve all the combats. You'll get another round to move, and then they'll move for the first time. Okay. That is my move. Okay. You array your forces to prepare for a daring night raid and instruct your spectral uh, squad. It's not just one Eldrin. It's a squad of Eldrins, all, oh, yes. uh, all, all in duplicate, uh, cr- creeping through the valley, scaling down, fording the river, and then scaling back up the bank on the other side. Your Tabashi cavalry on their battle emus go thundering across the bridge, catching the mercantile guild unawares, thus uh, proccing a, basically like a little bit of a surprise round. So okay. that'll move us into the next phase. So the next sequence is the attack phase. First thing, we resolve magical attacks. Are you having Fate or Moil cast a spell? Uh, I'd like to call it cast Bless. Okay. Is that is there a range on that? Pretty much everything is one square over, so... Oh, okay. Then the answer is no, I'm not casting any spells this round. Now we resolve any charge attacks. I'm assuming you want your cavalry to charge? Both my cavalries, uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the way that the combat works, everybody, to paint the virtual picture of this, mm-hmm. Anthony's looking at what is basically a game board with five rows of five squares overlaid onto this map of this valley. And he's got some infantry forces, he's got some cavalry forces, he's got some special forces against the mercantile guilds, infantry, and archers, and basically fast-moving melee fighters. And to engage in combat, you move your forces into the same territory, potentially multiple forces into the same territory, and then they're considered engaged. Ranged characters can attack one square over, Charging characters have a higher attack stat because they're they're you know they're they're charging for that first round, and then the defender uses their melee stat. Each unit has one of a couple of different attack stats. If they have charge, they have a charge score, which is typically higher than a melee score, which is and then some have ranged. Um, so there's a couple of different ones. The other element of this is kind of the rock paper scissors. So your your cavalry you classified as a defender. So one group of them have more heavily armored battle emus that gives them some extra weight as they charge down into a group of lightly armored mobile corporate employees. They're just wearing three-piece suits on a battlefield. What what were they thinking? It lets them move faster, but it will not sustain against a a cavalry charge. Your other group of Tabashi on battle emus were outfitted to, to move quickly, which allows them to pick up speed and circle around the encampment of heavily armed, war-forged with guns. So we will resolve that phase first. So you're going to roll 2d6 for the cavalry in both of these situations since they have advantage, and you're going to add 4 to it for their charge stat. And then I will roll 1d6 and add 2 to it for the melee stat. Cool. So let's do the uh, let's do the group 1 first, the one on the west side of the battlefield. 7 plus 4. Gives me 11. 11. They're going to roll a 2 plus 3, which is a 5. You got the higher roll, so you won the combat. The difference between the two stats is... Actually, God, they only got a 4. Well, no, they would have... um, Because they hadn't moved, they were stationary, they would actually get to use their last shot ability since they have ranged attacks, so they are able to... Some of them get to their gun, so that's technically a 6 instead of a 4. So you still beat them by 5. So there is now... Listener, a chart uh, where I have worked out this this game grid. Who knew I was going to fucking design uh, or at least modify 
a game system entirely just for Anthony's combat. I didn't. It just happened that way. <laughs> and when you look at this grid, the person with the higher role is the winner, depending upon their relationship between the advantage matching or disadvantage. It depends on which row you pull from. As the advantaged party winning five or more, that's considered a hit that causes the enemy to fall back. So first things first, let me check and see if these guys can sustain more than one hit. They can. So that doesn't necessarily kill them right away. Your battle emus on the Western Front ride down a portion of the crossbow people. All right, and then they have to fall back one square. So your battle emus come thundering in, wipe out half the squad of Warforged. They crack off a few shots, but then are forced to fall back and raise the alarm. The enemy camp begins to come to life. And let's go ahead and resolve the group on the other side. Oh, snake eyes. Ooh. So that'll be a six. All right, so they get a six. Let's roll my guys. They get a three plus four because they do get the one shot off with their ranged attack for the first round before they have to switch to melee. So they actually get a seven. Mm. And what did you, so, right? Yeah, they get a seven because uh, it's four plus the three. So they get a seven. What did you get? Six. So they win. Only by one. And they are the disadvantaged party. So your faster moving skirmisher emus come barreling in, but this particular camp was a little bit better fortified and those battle emus uh, hadn't ever experienced gunfire before so that they get, uh, they pull up a little bit short as the rifle shots start to go off and you end up just kind of circling a camp. That's pretty much just a push around. Uh, nothing changes. Both parties are considered engaged now, which means they can't attack with their ranged attack the next round. Uh, your cavalry unit, I think, can keep moving uh, since it's a cavalry unit, but they are at a slighter disadvantage. All right, so that's the first portion of the attack phase. Uh, Eldrin was attacking too. So you, you go magical attacks, stationary missile attacks, which are basically archers that hadn't been attacked yet, charge attacks, melee attacks. And technically, normally, those archers would have gotten a shot off at you before you got to do your charge attack. But in this particular case, we were doing it as a surprise. So now that brings us to moving missile attacks or the missile attacks on units that had moved. So now Eldrin is able to do, um, are you attacking the guys you just attacked or the skirmishers to the north of you? The skirmishers to the north of me. This will be equal footing. So we both roll a D6 since they're both attackers. Three. You got a three. They got a six. <laughs> I got, well, I got a three plus five, right? For eight. They get a two so they get an eight as well so we both got the same thing mm -hmm. uh six plus two so yeah that's another push round your eldrins pop out of cover and rain down some magical arrows on uh these skirmishers but they uh pull up more than a few clipboards mm -hmm. and are able to uh, form a shield wall of their clipboards uh and then pull out a few sidearms and pop a few shots off that keeps your eldrin from advancing so that is moving missile attacks, which brings us to the morale phase. Some units may be forced to recoil as a result of the attack phase. These situations are resolved in the morale phase. A unit that was routed must retreat one area in any direction, except towards the enemy's side, and then keep running until they pass a morale check. This is basically, if anybody had been routed, this is where they would do their... Uh, their saving throw basically to become unfeared. Mm -hmm. So one of the results that can happen when you go into a combat is that the guys flee, um, and this would be the phase that they check. So nothing to do there. 
So that brings us back to the top of the order, so to speak, with the movement phase. Alarm bells echo through the camp as you see the mercantile units begin to mobilize. They will actually move this round. And that is your go, sir. Move as many units as you you would like. All right. Um, Cavalry Red will will charge again. Order of operations here, though. Yeah, everybody moves first, then we go into attack phase. Okay, and how do multiple people on one tile work for combat? Basically, like, let's say you moved your pikemen into the same zone as the cavalry, right? Both the defender, or the the person's space that you're moving into, gets to pick which of those two forces he's going to lock up with and basically consider engaged, Mm -hmm. right? So let's say there were two groups in there. And one group had the advantage against cavalry as the person being attacked. I could choose to pick the advantage on your cavalry. You know what I mean? Like basically you get to pick Mm. which unit lines up against which if you're the attacked party, but otherwise it's just two on one for all intents and purposes. Okay. But it's, it is two separate engagements. I am not moving Eldrin. I'm moving myself through Eldrin space. Yeah. (laughs) No worries. And I believe Baba has a ranged stat. Which is why he's staying right there. Okay. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Todd will advance as well. Fate will join Moyle and... I tell you, because they'll be completely out of the battle if they only have one move this entire time. I will let your wizards move diagonal. I will let that be, since they can only move one, I will give your wizard and cleric the ability to move diagonally unlike everybody else. Okay. That... Oh, okay. Then Fate will still move up one, but Moyle will now move diagonally to be next to my cavalry and next to Baba. Okay. And that will be my movement. Okay. Defenders are going to move now. So one group of Warforged is going to step over and form ranks to attack, uh, fire some shots at Eldrin in the same area as some skirmishers. Another group of Well, no, there's a river there, so they can't cross and get the Tods. They're going to shake their fists angrily at the Tods and then move two squares over and form ranks around the Warforged Riflemen. This group of Warforged Riflemen, another group of Warforged Riflemen will form up ranks and aim at the squad Baba is leading. And it really is a squad of Babas, like a, a, a wealth of different variations of Baba, all the different alternate collector's covers of Baba <coughs> uh, raid out behind him in a single squad. That's going to do it for their their movement phase. Okay. So now, is there any spells you would like to cast? I am going to cast Bless on Baba via Moyle. Okay. Please discard that card. Okay. And what it's going to do is going to give him plus three on his dice rolls. Yeah. For the remainder of the combat, as long as the Moyle unit is alive. Correct. Uh, then we resolve stationary missile attacks, which means Eldrin will get to attack first, and then the two Warforged rifle squads, and then we'll move over to charge attacks, then melee. Okay. Eldrin will attack the uh, corporate raiders um, and directly to the north of you. Yes. What is six plus five? Eleven. Oof. Uh, they're going to do this plus two, five, seven. So you win by four, which is a hit. Uh, so they will take another hit, which reduces their efficacy going forward, boop, and gives them one hit remaining. Cool. All right. So now 
the Warforged line up and aim their rifles at Eldrin. They have advantage on me. So yeah, so 2d6 against Eldrin. Oh no! Ooh. With a 1 plus 5, 6. Oof, so an 8 plus 4 is 12 versus your 5? 6. Uh, all right, so so they won by six, correct? Yep. Okay, so Eldrin is routed. He has to fall back one immediately. Uh, yeah, he takes a hit as well, and then we'll fall back one, and then during the morale phase, we'll have to basically do a morale check to uh, see if he can stop fleeing or if he has to continue fleeing. The next one is... Baba, the next group of Warforged line up and trying to attack Baba. Baba, you're going to have advantage on this one. Okie dokie. Ten. It's melee, right? Uh, no, this is ranged. These are the rifle guys. In my head, that's what I meant. That's what I said. I said the wrong word. Uh, so I would have a 13. And so they got a six. So yeah, you beat them by seven. They are routed and have no place to flee. So these riflemen line up against you and begin firing rounds of shot. And Baba, you just uh, flat out, your group deflects the bullets and then unleash a hail of Yikola and other throwing spears and arrows. The Warforged immediately panic. There are these, these catmans striding through flames, deflecting their bullets and seemingly impervious attack. They stampede backwards in a panic into an uh, embankment that the artillery is placed on, which causes a small avalanche crushing their, their troops, taking them off the board. So that is one troop off the board for Baba. Wow. So that is our stationary missile attacks. That will now bring us to our charge attacks which means your cavalry will now attack the skirmishers. Uh, the skirmishers on the left will have disadvantage. Correct. Roll 2d6, they'll roll 1. 7 plus 4 gives me 11. Come on, you can do it. Did I just roll a friggin' 1? You did. I did. I'll take it. And these guys are hit. Yeah, I think they only have one hit left anyway. Yeah, they so they get a 2. So you beat them by 5, you have advantage. That would typically do another hit and trigger a fallback. But even if they were falling back, they would not be able to do so because there is a troop of Warforged behind them. So these guys get ridden down and crushed under the heavily armored claws of your squad of heavy emu. That will bring us to your skirmisher emu who will have advantage on the defending uh, Warforged Rifle Corps. Uh, so go ahead and roll 2d6. But this will be a melee attack and not a charge. Yes, that would be a melee attack for those guys. And they have to use their melee as well. God damn it, another one. Son of a bitch. And I got a 9 plus 3. So 12. Oh my fucking God. So this is a 3 for them. So you beat them by 9. That is a D for destruction. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> These guys are riding in a circular pattern, a, a, a noose that just tightens more and more around these Warforged as they spin around, firing off shots into the night. But your emu are too fast. They can't seem to lock on. And just Yikila jab after lance jab after emu claw uh, takes another enemy unit off the board, bringing us to now melee attacks. There are no parties currently engaged to conduct a melee attack, uh, which will end the battle phase, bringing us to the morale phase. So we're going to do a 
reducing DC on the morale phase. You're going to roll a uh, D6 for Eldrin. Okay. If a unit is next to Baba, they will have advantage on this roll. But since he's not next to Baba, um, he's just going to roll D6. And you got to roll a four, five, or six to stop the route. Oh, no. Two. Oof. So Eldrin on his movement phase will have to move another step back. I need you, Eldrin. Stop it. <laughs> that brings us to the movement phase. Your Eldrins retreat another step, and then you are go to move everybody else. So Todd, he wants to be the hero, so he's going to go after the red artillery cannon. Okay. All right. So he will scamper up the cliffs. Are you are you engaging him, or are you attacking ranged? No, I will I will missile him because uh, his missile is higher than his melee. You you know, so is the artillery's right? Huh. The the artillery has a fairly high missile rating as well. Oh, that's the artillery. I I, I didn't I hadn't I, I hadn't looked at the other cards because I wasn't sure if that was cheating or not. And so okay. No, no, it's it it is fair for you to know that, yeah. Okay, so yes, then he will he will engage. Okay, cool. So your your Todd's go scampering up the cliff. We will resolve that in the melee phase. Uh any other movement? Yeah. Um I will this cavalry will move to engage the artillery as well. Okay. Uh, using its charge. I should say the ridge will prevent that cavalry from engaging the artillery with, uh, unless they have a ranged ability. Okay. Uh, they, which they do have a missile of one. Is there no way to get up there or I just went the wrong way to get up there? Um, for the cavalry, there's not. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I understood. The Babas can climb up. Really, the Babas, Todds, Eldrins, or Ranged can get up there. That was kind of the special thing about the Todds is they could they could scamper on on up, um, and and the Eldrins. But Baba, you have that same. You don't really pay attention to terrain ability, so you can scamper on up there. The infantry can get up there. It will just take them a little bit longer. Okay, I will then charge due east mm-hmm. and attack. This can be a very crowded square in a second. So, so here's the thing: as the defender, they'll get to pick which of the units that are in this phase rise up to engage, meet your charge, basically. Oh, uh, okay. So you can move multiple units in there. I will be, and then they pick who deals with each one. Okay. Um. So I will, in that case, move the pikemen in there and charge in with the other emu squad. Okay. I will. Baba will uh, go for the yellow artillery. Okay. You're able to scamper on up. So does that ridge prevent casting? No, no. I would let you cast a spell up there. Yeah. Okay. Moyle will move diagonally to support, and Fate will move up one to do the same. I don't know what spell I'm going to cast. I'm just putting people in position. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, that's where I want everybody to be, and Eldrin's doing his thing. All right, so then the defenders move now. Oof, interesting. Um, these guys are going to stay where they're at so they can take a shot at Todd. These guys are going to stay where they're at so they can take a shot at Baba. And everybody else is in this big scrum. So, yeah, that is... Um, so the defenders stand pat, uh, which will move us to the combat phase. First thing, magical attacks. What spell does Moyle want to cast? The pre-spells, the walls, and, and what else is this? The transmutations. So basically you can, uh, oh, here you go, destroy hills, cliffs, rivers, or bogs. So you could have Moyle destroy the ridge that that thing is on, and that would allow your cavalry to turn around and attack it on the next turn. 
Okay. Yeah, let's do that. So uh, your your squad of Moyles all huddle up together and raise their arms up in unison, or as close as unison as you could ever get them to, uh, and they smooth down the edges of the ridge, causing it to be a, a easily accessible ramp going forward. They did a one, two, three clap. <laughs> they do the one, two, three clap. <laughs> and the echoing, <laughs> echoing sonic reverberation causes the, the loose scree of the of the outcropping to settle down into a welcoming ramp. So next up, the phase is the stationary missile attacks, which will be the two skirmisher rifle squads, one at Todd and one at Baba. So these are even rolls. These guys are attacking with their missile stat, which is a four. So it'll be an even roll with Todd against his missile stat. Ooh, Oof. I rolled a four plus... My missile stat of three, which is a seven. Uh, they rolled a five plus their missile stat of four, which is a nine. So they win by two, which is a push on an even fight. So these guys line up and fire off shots, but the squad of Todd's are as nimble as one would imagine and are able to scamper around through the legs of the spider artillery and dodge the shots. Then the squad takes a shot at Baba. They get a two. And Baba gets a two. They have a six total then? And he has a four. A win by two for them, uh, which is also another push. Yes. They are not able to get a good firing angle as Baba is able to duck behind the spider walker at the top of the ridge. So now that is going to be charge attacks. One of the skirmisher, the corporate raiders, step forward to engage with your thundering heavy cavalry. So you'll have advantage in this scenario. They will have disadvantage, or they'll just roll one dice or roll 2d6 and use your charge stat. Ooh, five plus four. So I roll a nine total. Oof, they get a six. Their melee, they rolled a six and their melee is a three. So it is a nine. It's a tie, which automatically results in a push in this particular case. Your heavily armored cavalry tries to ride down the corporate raiders, but again, they are able to form up a shield wall of clipboards and deflect them to the side. <clears throat> Clipboard shields is great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Your skirmisher emus are fighting. The corporate raiders step forward. Uh, they're going to have advantage, so they're rolling 2d6. You roll 1d6, but you will get to add your charge stat. Oh, son of a bitch. Oof. I roll the one. Oof. So I roll the five. They have a four plus... Three, so they have a oh wait these guys ah these guys are the injured ones which reduces their uh, melee so they actually only get a five. Oh, that's a five tie yes so is that another tie i'll take it tie so another tie so these guys battered and weary they are able to still form ranks and deflect the lances of your advancing faster moving battle emus so now we're into melee range First, the, uh, we'll do the guys down in the field, the pikemen versus the warforged rifle squad, the rifle squad. So since this is the first round they're being engaged in melee, they are able to use their range stat for this first fight. So you'll have advantage, um, but they do get to add their missile attack of four. Cool. So they're going to roll 1d6. They get a nine total. Get a uh, six. I get a nine total. Another push. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another push. Uh, the Warforged draw out their uh, ducky branded reserve short swords uh, and advance on your pikemen and are able to uh, step inside and get inside their guard. 
um, but aren't able to land a definitive blow. Uh, and there's just this this scrum of emu squawking and thundering down towards men and women in heavily armored three-piece suits, brandishing their clipboard shields, flinging sharply edged business cards, while a group of uh, robot riflemen have uh, stowed their guns, pulled out their, their holdout short swords, and are stabbing at a squad of really burly cat men stabbing back at them with these long razor sharp pikes fantasy everybody at its fucking best right fucking there <laughs> so now baba and todd todd gets to uh let's do todd first okay uh is going to attack his artillery post he will have advantage the artillery has shit all for melee they get a one on the melee let's roll it goodness gracious four plus two so six total so they got a three total it's going to be a hit so that will do one point of damage to the artillery. Uh, it can take two hits total. So it will turn sideways, indicating that it's hit. And then that will bring us to the Baba skirmisher on skirmisher. All right. The, so this is a flat roll, but they only have a plus one. So oof, they get a six total. Uh, I get a five. Oof. All right. So they win by one point. Which is a push in this particular case, since you guys are e even forces. The squad of Babas scramble all over this thing, jabbing into it, but aren't able to find a weak spot in their armor. From uh, across the field, you hear an entire squad of Tods go, Mm-hmm, that's what I thought. Who's MVP now? Huh? <laughs> Am I going to get MVP when I'm not even here? Maybe that's how this will work. <laughs> As it echoes across the battlefield and into the annals of time. All right. Uh, that'll bring us to the morale phase, which is going to be for your Eldrin. Okay. Now a three, four, five, or six will prevent him from fleeing the battlefield. A two again. Wow. Oh, Eldrin retreats. Uh, he is officially off the battlefield, which just means he can't be attacked. He will stay off the battlefield until you can pass that check, but he's just basically out of the picture completely. So that will bring us back to the movement phase. Your cavalry and pikemen are engaged and cannot move, but your moil and your fate can. Okay. So moil is between him and the uh, yellow gunman. Is there is that a move he can make? Like I, as far as terrain wise. Yes, I would let you move diagonally onto engage with the um uh, with the rifleman. Okay. All right. He's gonna do that. Engage with the rifleman and. Oh, actually, hold on. Uh, he can he can actually just move forward now. He, he they got rid of the terrain issue. That's right. He can actually come up onto the terrain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fate will also advance one square as well. Uh, well, not to be a jerk, but that means fate's crossing the river. He can't. Oh, okay. No, no, no. you're not being a jerk. Uh, so he would need to go back one and then diagonal to cross the bridge. Which, if you didn't realize that, I'm happy to let you make have moved uh, have made that move just move him one square over i can say he's here and then you can move him wherever you want from there uh it wasn't super clear about the way some of this terrain would play out yeah i wouldn't have wanted to advance him into this area if he couldn't come through so kind of a, i mean that he could he could cast spells you've got these three other units that are engaged he could cast a spell on them there's not much support <laughs> well, he's got his wizard spells. I wasn't sure if those hit my units like range attacks do. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. If may, fate cast a fireball into your amassed troops, 
While that does seem very much like something fate would do, it would potentially result in uh, those troops being injured as well. I'm actually fine to move fate. But, but but like I say, I will give you the move over to here so that he can advance forward in one or two, because that will put him in okay. a, a zone of threat. So That's fine. I can move him here and cast on. Great. Uh, hey, I think that's all my movement. All right. That will bring us to the defender movement phase. They're not moving. That's going to uh, bring us to the combat phase then. So magical attacks go first. Let's resolve the fate situation first. What is fate casting? Yes, cloud kill. A bunch of fates line up and hold their onks in front of their face, blowing through the holes in the middle of it. This sickly, spiky bubble floats out and goes gliding end over end until one of the spiky bubbles, that's right, I said spiky bubbles, <laughs> uh, one of those spiky bubbles tinks into the edge of one of the Warforged. That's why it's so scary. Exactly. <laughs> tinks into one of the Warforged and it explodes in this gaseous, <laughs> acidic vapor that it begins to eat away at their components. They are able to raise up and take a shot, though. So we're going to treat this as a, basically a roll-off since they are arranged ones. So I guess this does effectively mean that there's a difficulty of class. They're actually going to have advantage on fate. They're going to die no matter what. It's just this roll-off here is whether or not they're able to uh, do anything to fate. Okay. So fate would roll... Let me see. Does his card have a ranged stat? It, no, it doesn't. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Okay. So fate's... Zero? Yeah, that's a zero. Okay. So it's just going to be how bad is this for fate with the uh, with the roll. I'm good with this. Uh, which is going to be pretty bad. So seven plus four is an 11, which is off the charts since it's a zero. Oh, I don't get to roll at all. I thought it was just plus zero. No, no. You, you got no dice, man. Oh, okay. You got no dice because you're not ranged. So yeah, a hail of bullets... Fate goes down. Down goes Fraser. The spectral fates popping like the death bubbles they issued forth. But the riflemen then melt into a heap and are on the ground. And if anybody says, but they were warforged and cloud kill is poison damage, these are not the literal rules as written. Um, those warforged are dead. So that is magical attacks. Now that brings us to stationary missile attacks, which would be nobody at this point. Oh, no, I take it back. The group's shooting at Todd. So flat roll for Todd versus the uh, rifleman at the base of the, the plateau. All right. Uh, they get a, oof, they get a 10. Six plus four. Five. So it's eight. All right. So they win by two, uh, which on a flat roll is a push. A hail of bullets rains down from the plateau and a, a returning volley gun smoke starting to hang heavy in the air around the base of the plateau but both squads are uh where you know, exactly where we left off was moyo going to cast a spell on this thing or is he just melee attacking the artillery oh he's gonna melee attack okay then that's gonna bring us to the charge attacks uh, nobody has charge attacks this round. That brings us to melee attacks. Uh, let's go ahead and just go from right to left. Everybody. <laughs> Todd is engaged with, with his walker. The walker gets a two. And Todd gets a nine plus two, 11. Ooh, Jesus Christ. That is, yeah. How does Todd call his shot? Because, hey, we remembered at the end of the season that we don't say finish him. We say call your shot. That's our brand. How does the squad of Todd... Oh, God, if he ever hears this. The squad of Todd call their shot on this walker. I have a feeling that the squad of Todd's are cutting off each leg individually, 
from the thing and then stabbing it in what area would look most like the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Squad of Todd's rip off eight walker legs and jab inward through the front windshield of this thing, impaling the Uber drivers who had been conscripted. Uh, it's a gig economy, <laughs> but uh, they, they perish. Um, so one walker down, and now then uh, we are on melee attacks on the uh, the other walker. Um, let's go ahead and go Baba first. Cool. That's going to be even. Oof, walker gets a seven. Four plus, I get a six. So the walker wins. Uh, this is a flat roll, so that's a push. Baba's still not able to find purchase again the walker's thick metal. Cool. You hear from across the battlefield, y'all need help over there? I mean, you know, look, I already finished mine. <laughs> from the squad of Todd. In unison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seems like some of y'all haven't been following the Todd workout routine. <laughs> We're doing oil next. Yeah. Oh, wow. Five. The walker gets a two. All right. And is Moyle at advantage? Uh, yep. So that is a win by three. So that counts as a hit. Whew. So the walker finally takes a single hit and is damaged. Absorb. All right. Now that brings us down to the scrum of the battlefield below. Uh, Emu's dashing and dancing and stabbing and screaming and yelling. So let's do the uh, Tabashi battle Emu's versus the corporate raiders. The corporate raiders get a they get a six. I get also a six. Okay. So that is a push. All right. Uh, now let's do the red guys on the green guys. Red guys will have advantage. They get a five. Seven plus three. So ten. So that's a win by five with an advantage. Your uh, heavy emu's thundering charge manages to trample some of the corporate raiders so much so that they are forced to push back into the shadow of the ridge. So they are at one damage. And now the pikemen and the warforged squad. Uh, warforged squad gets a five. You guys have advantage. I get an eight total. Uh, so it's a hit. So they take a hit. Uh, and are substantially weakened. These guys were meant to be gunmen. Those, the you know, they are very tough. They are robots, after all. But they were not prepared for Tabashi spears in their face. That brings us to the morale round. Let's go ahead and do a D6 roll for Eldrin. Let's go, Eldrin. A two will finally bring him back to the battlefield. Four. There goes a four. So he is now back on the battlefield, and during the next move phase, can move his full movement. <laughs> Speaking of, top of the move order. So, Baba, you are free to uh, move. All right. Eldrin will hustle and bustle and try and get across the bridge. The Eldrin, being an elf, can also ignore terrain like Todd. So, he could just go straight across if you wanted. Yeah, okay. The cavalry who uh, caused the fallback will charge at that unit. Okay. Todd will try and kill more things going to engage the rifleman to his left. Okay. And then everything else the same. So then the first thing is magical attacks. Is uh, Moyle casting any spells? He is not. He hit once and he thinks that's going to work. All right. So then that brings us to charge attacks. So have your Tabashi heavy emus roll with advantage. Boom. 
for 12 total. The corporate raiders got a six. So that is an advantage win by six. That is considered a route, but they don't even have a hit point left to be routed with. So those guys are off the field. Cool. Baba, let's have you do your attack on the uh, the walker. Two plus two, four. They get a six, which means two. That's a push, right? Push, yeah. Yeah, that's another push. We can't get an angle on him. I'm providing an opening for, for Moyle. For Moyle? All right, have Moyle make his roll. For 11. Oof. Jesus. Yeah, that will do it, man. Have Moyle call his shot on the walker. Moyle, because the, the walker was distracted fighting Baba, Moyle approximates where the testicles of the walker would be and hits it directly in its would-be testicles. <laughs> uh, somehow managing to find balls on a robot spider. <laughs> uh, Moyle dick punches the walker to death and it collapses in a heap. <laughs> the battlefield shimmers and wavers around you and begins to melt away leaving you standing in the center of this open featureless space as the echoes of the battle in the valley below fade behind you with the faint, faint vaguely, uh, guys, wait for me from Eldrin. <laughs> You're, you are standing again now with the four lights, uh, floating around you, but you notice fate's light is flickering a bit, uh, and, and seems truly like a wisp. And seems like th this him being here unintentionally that that combat may have actually impacted his essence in some way. <gasps> oh no! And uh, Papa Shand appears next to you and goes, "Ah, so Baba Tunde, a victory at last. You very cleverly split your forces, your and and charged into the fray. Put yourself in harm's way." And we're not afraid to risk it all for your tribe. Our generals and our leaders, our Obas, fight on the front lines. We lead by example. Yes, that is the leader we need in this time. That is the leader the world needs now, Baba. You will be going back and facing a new form. The shards within you have already begun doing their work, stitching together a, a shape from beyond. We will aid where we can, but it is all still up to chance in some way. I don't like that guy. We shall see what happens when we, you guys get back together to do the role. But Baba, there are times that leaders must do more than lead uh, in battle. There are times where they must make hard decisions. There is a hard road you have ahead of you, Baba. One that goes beyond Anything that this world has ever seen before, beyond any challenge that the divine summers have ever created. This group of gods, these, uh, or whatever they call themselves, are the most selfish, singular individuals that have ever uh, had this scale of power in our reality. And they think they can do what they please by changing the rules. And someone needs to remind them of the law, and what should be for all. That leadership will require sacrifice from you and from your friends, and 
we must be reminded that there are consequences to certain actions. So, Baba, being a leader isn't just about strength, it is about wisdom, and leaders have to make hard sacrifices. In order for you to survive, you will have to take the Ancestor Stone with you. And unfortunately, that would mean that the plane around us would fade. Our spirits would leave the ancestral plane and be drawn into the God Spire to be consumed by the very beings we are asking you to stop. We need a power source. We need a spirit that is tied to the shards within you to help us sustain this realm. We need one of you to stay and be our anchor point while you travel onward. And Baba, it cannot be you. Hmm. And we do not want the cheater either. So you must pick the most powerful spirit you think is among you to stay with us and carry us forward. Hmm. This is a hard decision indeed. But I know that Mr. Uh, Mr. Mossberg here has a connection to the elements of this world. He has a lightning in his belly that could that could stabilize uh, or help keep this plane healthy and here. And not for nothing, Moyle's orb does glow more intensely. It is infused with Rala Shaz's mental and psychic energy as well. There is a intensity of power there that you don't read from the other ones. I believe he has a connection to to other planes and other entities that the rest of us don't have. And he would probably make the best for keeping this this place open, this place free, and uh, not to become a, merely a afterthought for those gods who sit on on their high horses. Excellent choice, Baba. This is the beginning of a new journey for him. And you see the the moat float over and begin to take the outline of original dragonborn moil, not not warforged moil that you remember. But then it flickers over to Warforged Moil. Then it flickers into another Moil, uh, one that almost seems to be almost like a treant, far more aligned with the nature aspect of it that he seemed to be going with his with his form. And then back to a normal-looking Warforged. He will be here. He will become one of us. He will become an Agu, as well as all your ancestors. But, Baba, I, I know... There will be a quietening of the spirit realm in some ways, and the connection that you had with all of us has been changed by what your body is going through. You may not have the same connection with all of us, but Tanage will always be with you. Remember that. It is most appreciated, Papa-chan. It is, it is time for you to go, Baba. You are about to go on the most challenging journey of your life, and there is... Some people here who would like to wish you on your way. And as you turn, there's your family. There's your, your mom and your dad. Uh, uh, Tanage is conspicuously absent um, because she's not truly fully on the, the ancestral realm anymore. She perhaps is, is tied to the shard within your body. or there's, there's something else going on there that's worth you know, maybe exploring. But it's very much the the scene of a soldier returning home from battle, where there's every living relative lined up and, and waiting and holding a sign for Baba as he comes down the escalator. But not just every living relative, every Agu, going back to all the Agus that have ever been, and potentially even some Agus that have yet to be, 
in the strange all time of the ancestral realm, and they they hold their arms out. What is what is Baba's reaction as he as he sees his mother and father and and other siblings for the for the first time in in a way that you never thought you would get to see him again? Baba's reaction is very much the Denzel and Glory manned here, <laughs> one single Chaba sheet here as he it is. Like it had been confirmed before that they were dead, like in the sense of he knew, yeah, but he knows, knows, and it's just like it's seeing him again is it's moving, it's bigs of emotions all in and and it just lets out in a single single tear. Your family charges for you like a swarm of heavily armored emu, arms outstretched, they you are mobbed and almost lifted aloft by hug after hug after hug. So you guys are you're carried back to the Agu holdfast on the side of the mountain. The goat herds have a city fairly high up on the mountain. They actually camp out on the side of the mountains with the goats, but they all have like a large holdfast high up in the mountain. And there's this huge great hall within the Agu holdfast where the family meals were held on on holidays, where the entire clan would get together. And you find yourself in that holdfast, reliving some incredible moments from your youth reconnecting with ancestors that you only knew in passing as a child, feasting on all the soul food, uh, see what I did there, <laughs> that uh, a group of ancestors could possibly could possibly enjoy. The time stretches forward. This is, if the Tabaxi had a concept of Valhalla, instead of glorious battle, it is a celebration of riotous kinship as the Agu bagpipes Blare out a, a squalling tribute to their past, their present, and their future. You've never been sh- showered with as much warmth and family ever, uh, let alone when you were living. And it, it, it is something that you know that is worth fighting for. This community, this this larger community, because as these moments seep in, you see beyond your clan. And your perception expands, kind of similar to that time before. And you see all the Tabaxi clans working in concert together as part of a, a larger community and society, giving and taking and supporting and uh, working together towards a common goal. And that expands out to the, the verdant, where you see now the Tabashi engaging with the sentient termite hives that build the constructs around themselves and the spider people, even though they're not their favorite trading with the spider people and the dwarven folk of the region and even the Aarakocra and the Kinku and the, the Tritons. And then it's expanding out even further and seeing the interaction between the Verdant and the Mercantile Guild. And despite the corrupting nature of the Mercantile Guild, at its fringes, the people within it providing a spirit and energy to the continent as a whole. And then even further, even back to a global level, the spinning around the different communities interacting and at the heart of it, this almost like a metal spike or sliver or foreign body that has been jammed into this planet. And whereas you see the mental energy swirling almost like a jet stream or like a an environmental weather pattern between the community and the society and the culture of the planet, there is this swirling eye of the hurricane, cyclonic effect of this energy around the Godspire drawing it in. And you can see that this thing was not meant to be, that it draws and it just takes and it doesn't give back despite the energy that seems to flow back out to it to the people. You feel connected in that moment to every 
person and culture and being and species on the planet, Baba, and you know that this quest that you have taken up is one that will drive you forward into the next leg of your journey. And in that moment, this glimmering icosahedron, you know, you've seen it before. The spirit keepers had the ancestor stone, which was this roughly hewn icosahedron set into a staff that had these tabaxi hands kind of coming up and wrapping around it that was normally kept slotted into a resting place within the cave of ancestors. Um, and occasionally, you know, on certain holy days, people were allowed to, t- to visit and touch with it and try and commune with the ancestors. I um, mean, it was used in the assignment ceremony of the Oba. You see an image of that floating in front of you, and then the rough edges of it begin to fall off until it is this perfect, crystalline, gleaming blue icosahedron that begins to spin in space, and your pentahedron shield flares into life scribing and scrolling the silver tendrils forming that perfect disc floating above your arm and the icosahedron the ancestor stone your stabilizing agent clicks into place and there's this reverberating pulse as you're complete you feel whole there's this joining and balancing and this pulse of energy ripples out and it doesn't it doesn't like blast away the ancestral realm But it like causes, like if you're watching a projection of an image onto a a crystal lake and somebody dropped a stone into it to where there were just these ripples and they just get more and more and more and more intense. And the the, the Tabashi celebrating around you don't even seem to notice as their reality bobs and waves and weaves. And in one of the apex of those weaves, you were then drawn forward like, like you're riding the surf and pulled through and pierce through the the skin of reality, spiraling outward into this this material realm, and you go slamming back into your body. And that's where we'll end this particular session. Cool. That's some big changes, and that's only like 40% of the big change. The other 60% is coming in the next episode, so you have to come back now, and not just because of the curses. And you know who's completely, completely excluded from those curses? Our patrons. So hey, let's say some thank yous. Daniel, Ken, Sundance, Sid, you are officially members of the Squad of Todd. Fuck, I wish that didn't have that good of a ring to it. It's better than the Todd Squad, right? Squad of Todd. A roboticized private eye. Bryce. Cosmic Worm, Mr. Bible Pants, gonna point out that that patron name hasn't changed every single time. Dean, apparently we're Austin FC fans now, Dean, so give me a shout. Don't use good yarn on bad conspiracies. Drake in, you know what you did. Eric, Jeff, Jeremy Cobb, no, not that one. Although stick a pin in that. Korobe Nikki, Miles. So, yeah. Good news is the name of your tier isn't going to change. Cool. Gair the Sleepy Norwegian, Hannah, Yogan, Kalevi Helvetti, Loki the Angry Dwarf, Martian. Yeah, so speaking of Discord community members, Martian finally made his way into the Discord. And dude, you've been great since you've jumped in. Really appreciate you getting in there and contributing to the Discordors. Nope, not a thing. Rin, Thomas, 
Look, you can be very proud of the fact that Eldrin ran all the way off the battlefield and didn't stop once. It was possibly the most retreating anybody could do in that situation. So, top of his game. Andrew, Bill, Window Lookers Anonymous, fate, uh, the consequences for fate are horrible, but the consequences for you supporting is receiving our appreciation. Ah? Ben, Gibbons Camp, Matt, Professor Flattop, another new addition to the Discordiverse. Discord, Discord, nope, nothing, still nothing. Saga, Zark Fox, and of course, Resident Alpha patron Lee. Hey, man, your boy did it. He achieved victory in a spiritual virtual simulation of a real massive battle that is actually based on a battle from the Zulu-British War. More on that in a either behind-the-scenes or pre-scenes episode when I get into some of the DM notes piece of this. But, all right, yay, now we get to see if he gets to come back to life or if all of this last bit was completely pointless. You'll find out, first episode next season, right around the corner. And hey, I will tell you this, there's been a lot of speculation in the Electrum Foil Hats channel in the Discord about what Baba's new form is going to take. And I can tell you this, I will, spoiler alert, one of you either got it right or none of you even came close or one of you got it a little bit right, I can definitely say it's one of those things. Congratulations. So, hey, what do these folks get for supporting the Party of Five? All kinds of extra content, like extra podcasts. I promise there's Hunter's Parties coming this week. Extra lore, extra character exercises, the whole bits and bobs and kit and caboodle. And we're going to be spicing up the merch mix a little bit as well. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash GMDLcast to see what you get for supporting the Party of Five and helping us bring you bigger and better content. Seriously, if it's painful for me to go back and listen to those early episodes, the, the difference in the quality, even though we are still not recording in professional sound booths, is 100% from the support of the show. And you guys did that. And thank you so much. But look, there's a lot going on right now. And I know it's a tough time for some folks. You don't necessarily have to contribute financially to support the party of five. All you got to do, tell somebody about the show. You don't even have to do it from the back of an email. In fact, really fucking recommend that you don't try that. Those things are evil dinosaurs. They raise them in Texas for fucking boots. I, I don't know. It's a weird state, y'all. Just tell somebody about the show. Friend, coworker, somebody at your local game store. One in five people decide which podcast they should listen to next based on the recommendation of someone they know. One in five, which was exactly the number of pentagons that we had in this episode. So I really can't do my normal bit. So kind of fucked myself on that one. But hey, but hey. You can solve that problem by telling somebody about the show. I don't know. It's the end. Anyway, as always, thank you for joining us. We absolutely appreciate it. See you in a couple of weeks for the start of a even newer, even weirder adventure with a new cast member. Question mark. That's right. Next episode, you guys finally get to meet Tori's character. Get ready. And if you don't know who the fuck Tori is, that's because you don't show up to our stream. That's what you're missing. Anyway, thanks. Love you. Hope you enjoyed the show. 